Howdy, folks. This is the Words of Truth from the Scriptures podcast. I am Brian Yeager. I'm glad you're listening. I hope you'll find today's study to be interesting and thought-provoking, challenging, and life-changing. When I was a child, I was taught that any time I wanted to talk to God, all I had to do was to pray. And I thought that that was the case throughout my childhood and uh, preteen and teenage years. And then I was taught the gospel. And as I was taught the gospel, I was quite shocked and surprised to learn that what I was told by my mother was not accurate, that the Bible actually teaches something different. For a long time, and many times that I've had Bible studies with people, people generally are taught what I was taught as a child. Times get tough, pray about it. God's going to do this or God's going to do that. As a child, preteen, teenager, I also thought that if I walked into any church building, you know, that whatever worship was going on there was acceptable to God. That no matter what it was, it was offered up to God, and, and if you really wanted, then God would hear and accept that worship. Like with prayer, I was quite shocked to find out that that is not the case when you actually open the Bible. To be able to come before God, you have to be in a relationship with Him. You have to be living right. We're going to study this from the Scriptures. We're going to see direct, clear statements that show us that God just does not accept worship from everyone and anyone. We are going to see that your life has to be right. Even if you call yourself a Christian... That's not going to open the door. In Proverbs 15, verse 29, it says, The Lord is far from the wicked, but he heareth the prayer of the righteous. In 1 Peter chapter 3, verses 8 through 12, this is written to Christians. It says, Finally, be all of one mind, have compassion one another, love as brethren, be pitiful, be courteous, not rendering evil for evil or railing for railing, but contrawise, blessing, knowing that you are thereunto called that you should inherit a blessing. For he that will love life and see good days, let him refrain his tongue from evil, his lips that they speak no guile, let him eschew evil and do good. Let him seek peace and ensue it. For the eyes of the Lord are over the righteous." And his ears are open unto their prayers, but the face of the Lord is against them that do evil. When we look at that, whether it was the Old Testament, like in Proverbs 15, 29, or in the New, 1 Peter 3, 8 through 12, was actually quoting from the Psalms, God consistently requires you to be righteous for him to hear you. There was a blind man that was healed by Jesus, and he nailed it. In John 9, 31, he said, We know that God heareth not sinners, 
But if any man be a worshiper of God and doeth his will, him he heareth. That is very clear, concise, and consistent with other scriptures. You have to have a relationship with God. And having a relationship with God comes down to whether or not you're obeying him or not. Jesus said in John 14, 23 and 24, Jesus answered and said unto him, If any man will love me and keep my words, my Father will love him, will come unto him and make our abode with him. He that loveth me not keepeth not my sayings, and the word which he hears not mine, but the Father which sent me. John, 2 John verse 9 says, Whosoever transgresseth and abideth not in the doctrine of Christ, that is, whosoever transgresseth and does not abide in the teaching of Christ, notice what this statement is, hath not God. He that abideth in the doctrine of Christ, he hath both the Father and the Son. So you see, we can't just say, God's going to hear me because I offer up a prayer. Or God's going to accept my worship because, you know, I, I did it with the desire that, that it's good to him. No, no, no. That doesn't matter. Think about what the Lord says regarding those that think they know him. And they even do good religious works. In Matthew chapter 7, verses 21 through 23, he says, Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. So you hear that? They're confessing him. But he requires more. He requires doing the will of the Father. He goes on. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name? And thy name cast out devils. And thy name done many wonderful works. So here are people that have even done miraculous things. And notice what Jesus said. And, and by the way, if you're interested in that, uh, I'm, I'm doing a written study on 1 John on my website, and we're going through 1 John chapter 4 right now where it talks about different spirits in 1 John 4, 1 through 5. If, you, if you're interested in that study, you might go to thewordsoftruth.net and, and uh, pull up the, the recent study materials and kind of follow along. But back to Matthew 7, 21 through 23, verse 23. Even though these people have done works, miraculous works, he says, then will I profess to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. Here are people that are, are going to be shocked in the judgment that they've done good works, that they've confessed Christ, that they're believers, and yet the Lord says, you're strangers. I never knew you. Hmm. The Lord's not confused he, 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 doesn't, he doesn't forget people. What makes you his comes down to what you do or do not do. And 2 Timothy 2.19, Nevertheless, the foundation of God standeth sure, having this seal. The Lord knoweth them that are his, and let everyone that nameth the name of Christ depart from iniquity. I'm very sad when I think about this. My mother, who taught me some of these things when I was young about how you could confess God or, or you know, all you had to do was go to Him and pray and everything was all right, she was of the Lutheran persuasion. And when I learned the truth of the gospel and I tried to talk to her about the truth of the gospel, she says, oh no, I'm, I'm already saved and just wouldn't hear it. And, and there were times where she came and, 
and visited uh, when I was preaching the gospel, and she would hear it, and, you know, oh, you did a good job, and, you know, dot, 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 and all these wonderful things, and, and you know, I would point out to her, but mom, you know, you, you've got to be a doer of the will of the Lord. You, you, your life isn't consistent with the scriptures. In fact, for her, it was very far from consistent with the scriptures. There was, there's no confusion that she was nothing close to a child of the living God. And I would point out these things to her, like 2 Timothy 2.19, but she just would not hear it. She was just convinced, convinced of her own mind that she was fine with God. Listen, don't be that person. We have the scriptures. We have what God actually says to us. You can't just say, God, I hear you, but I'm not listening. <laughs> where do you think that puts you? Where do you think, where do you think that puts you? The Lord knows his people. And if you name his name, you have to depart from iniquity. But like even under the Old Testament, there are people and even generations of people that just refuse to adhere to the standard. The standard being the word of God. We're to live by every word of God. Luke 4.4. 4. In Judges 21.25, it says, In those days there was no king in Israel. Every man did that which was right in his own eyes. That's much like today. Things don't tend to change. Like Solomon said, there's no new thing under the sun, right? Well, what does the Lord say to those people that are righteous in their own eyes? Isaiah 5, 21, woe unto them that are wise in their own eyes and prudent into their own sight. You're not just okay because you say you're okay. When you stand before the judgment seat of Christ, how do you think that conversation goes? Do you think that conversation goes, hey, Hi, Jesus. What's up, buddy? Whatever you got in your mind, uh, I'm ready for heaven. No, no. You're going to give an account for everything that you've done, good or bad. That, that's what the Bible actually says in John 5, 28, 29, 2 Corinthians 5, 10. In fact, just so you, you get it, I'm, I, I, I want to read it to you. It says, marvel not at this. This is John 5, 28, 29. The hour is coming in the which all in the grave shall hear his voice. And shall come forth, they that have done good under the resurrection of life, and they that have done evil under the resurrection of damnation. And then 2 Corinthians 5 and verse 10 that I also reference says, For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that everyone may receive the things done in his body according to that which he had done, whether it be good or bad. You're not going to stand before the judge and tell him you're okay. And you can know before the judgment day, whether or not you're okay, through the word which we have. If you're a sinner, you're lost. It's not that difficult. There's not some convoluted al algebra equation that you need to be able to work out. So let, let's think through this a little bit, and let's look at some Bible examples that will prove the point with abundant clarity. Can a person just offer up their best worship to God ignorantly and be okay? Can, can it be, well, I don't really know what the Bible says. I'm just going to offer this up and, and the Lord's going to take it. In Acts 17, I want to read an account from Acts 17, 16 through 31. While Paul waited for them at Athens, his spirit was stirred in him when he saw the city wholly given to idolatry. Therefore disputed he in the synagogue with the Jews and with the devout persons and in the market daily with them that met with him. 
certain philosophers of the Epicureans and the Stoics encountered him. Some said, what will this babbler say? Other some, he seemed to be set a setter forth of strange gods because he preached to them Jesus and the resurrection. And they took him and brought him to Areopagus, saying, May we know what this new doctrine whereof thou speakest is, for thou bringest certain strange things to our ears. We would know therefore what these things mean. For all the Athenians and strangers which were there spent their time in nothing else but to tell or to some hear some new thing. Paul stood in the midst of Mars Hill and said, Ye men of Athens, I perceive that in all things ye are too superstitious. For as I passed by and beheld your devotions, I found an altar with this inscription, To the unknown God, whom therefore ye ignorantly worship, him declare I unto you. God, that made the world and all the things therein, seeing he is the Lord of heaven and earth, dwelleth not in temples made with hands. Neither is worship with men's hands, as though he needed anything, seeth he giveth to all life and breath and all things. He hath made of one blood all nations for men to dwell in on the face of the earth, hath determined the times before appointed and the bounds of their habitation, that they should seek the Lord, if happily they might fill after him and find him, though he be not far from every one of us. For in him we live and move and have our own being, as certain also of your own poets have said, for we are also his offspring. For as much then as we are the offspring of God, we ought not to think that the Godhead is like unto the gold or silver or stone graven by art man's device. And the times of this ignorance God winked at, but now commandeth all men everywhere to repent, because he hath appointed a day in the which he will judge the world in righteousness by that man whom he hath ordained, whereof he giveth assurance unto all men, and that he raised him from the dead. So did you hear that lesson that Paul taught? He commanded repentance of them. They ignorantly worshipped him. They did not do it right. They were actually practicing idolatry. Paul didn't just look at him and say, you know what? You don't know any better. This is good. God is well pleased. No. He attempted, and they go on to reject, some of them go on to reject what he said. Uh, if you keep reading in the context, especially when they heard uh, about the resurrection there and some mocked it and then others agreed to hear him. Uh, another time. But you just can't offer your best up and be acceptable unto God. It didn't work for Israel. In Amos chapter 5, verses 18 through 27, says, Woe unto you that desire the day of the Lord. To what end is it for you? The day of the Lord is darkness and not light. As if a man did flee from a lion and a bear met him, or went into the house and leaned his hand on the wall and a serpent bit him. Shall not the day of the Lord be darkness and not light, even very dark and no brightness in it? Listen to this. I hate, I despise your feast days, and I will not smell in your solemn assemblies. Though you offer me burnt offerings and your meat offerings, I will not accept them. Neither, neither will I regard the peace offering of your fat beast. Take thou away from me the noise of thy songs, for I will not hear the melody of thy vials, but let judgment run down as waters and righteousness as a mighty stream. Have you offered unto me sacrifices and offerings in the wilderness 40 years, O house of Israel? 
But ye have borne the tabernacle of your Moloch and of Chun, your Chun, your images, the star of your God, which ye have made yourselves. Therefore, I will cause you to go in captivity beyond Damascus, saith the Lord, whose name is the God of hosts. God says, not only did he not accept them, he hated it. He hated it. He hated what they offered. Well, why? Proverbs 15, 8. The sacrifice of the wicked is an abomination to the Lord, but the prayer of the upright is his delight. Proverbs 21, 27. The sacrifice of the wicked is abomination. How much more when he bring it with a wicked mind? Proverbs 28, 9. He that turneth away his ear from the hearing of the law, even his prayer shall be an abomination. Did you hear that? What God wanted was not them to continue to worship him. He wanted them to change their lives first. In fact, if you back up in the context in Amos chapter 5, verses 14 through 15, it says, Thus saith the Lord on the house of Israel, Seek ye me, and ye shall live. But seek not Bethel, because that's where they had set up idols, going back to the days of Jeroboam uh, in, in uh, 1 Kings chapter 12. He says, Seek not Bethel, nor enter into Gagal, and pass not to Beersheba, for Gagal shall surely go into captivity, and Bethel shall come to naught. Seek the Lord, and you shall live, lest he break out like fire in the house of Joseph, and devour it, and there be none to quench it in Bethel. Ye who turn judgment to wormwood, and leave off righteousness in the earth, seek him that maketh the seven stars in Orion, and turneth the shadow of death into the morning, and maketh the day dark with night, that calleth for waters of the sea, and pour them out upon the face of the earth. The Lord is his name, that strengtheneth the spoiled against the strong, so that the spoiled shall come against the fortress. They hate him that rebuketh in the gate, and they abhor him that speaketh uprightly. For as much, therefore, as your treading is upon the poor, and you take from him burdens of wheat, you have built houses of hewn stone, but you shall not dwell in them. You have planted pleasant vineyards, but you shall not drink wine of them. For I know your manifold transgressions and your mighty sins. They afflict the just. They take a bribe. They turn aside the poor in the gate from the right. Therefore, the prudent shall keep silence in that time, for it is an evil time. Seek good and not evil that you may live. And so the Lord, the God of hosts, shall be with you as you have spoken. Hate the evil and love the good and establish judgment in the gate. It may be that the Lord God of hosts will be gracious under the remnant of Joseph. See, it's not God just saying, you know what? Yeah, at least you're worshiping me. No, I hate it. Why? Because you're not living right. That's the Lord's mentality. Do you care about that? Do you not understand that when you're in sin, you're adding to those sins by praying to God unless that prayer is a confession? Because you're praying a prayer that is an abomination, like we read in Proverbs 15, 8, 21, 27, and 28, 9. So your sins are compounded in that you're not changing, but you're coming before God as though, I hope you'll understand this, think about how arrogant that is. Like, I'm going to come before the throne of God as a sinner, and he's going to hear me anyway? In the book of Isaiah, Isaiah chapter 1, verses 10 through 20, says, Hear the word of the Lord, ye rulers of Sodom. If you know anything about the Bible, back in Genesis 18 and 19, 
Sodom and Gomorrah was destroyed, so this is a figure of speech where God is liking them unto the cities that were destroyed for fornication. So he's calling the people in Israel, the rulers, Sodomites in essence. He says, give ear unto the law of our God, ye people of Gomorrah. Same point. To what purpose is the multitude of your sacrifices unto me, saith the Lord? I am full of the burnt offerings of rams and of the fat of fed beasts, and I delight not in the blood of bullocks or of lambs or of he goats. When you come to appear before me, who hath required this at your hand to tread my courts? Bring no more vain oblations. Incense is an abomination unto me. The new moons and the Sabbaths, the calling of assemblies, I cannot away with it. It is iniquity, even the solemn meeting. Your new moons and your appointed feasts, my soul hateth. They are a trouble unto me. I am weary to bear them. And when you spread forth your hands, I will hide my eyes from you. Yea, when you make many prayers, I will not hear. Your hands are full of blood. Wash you, make you clean. Put away the evil of your doings from before my eyes. Cease to do evil. Learn to do well. Seek judgment. Relieve the oppressed. Judge the fatherless. Plead for the widow. Come now. Let us reason together, saith the Lord. Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they be red like crimson, they shall be as wool. If ye be willing and obedient, you shall eat the good lamb. But if ye refuse and rebel, ye shall be devoured the sword, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken it. So look at how Israel was addressed by God. He didn't just say, keep bringing it. No, he hated it. It was offensive to him. He says, I cannot away with it. It's iniquity. Your worship, even though they may have been the quote unquote right actions, were wrong because they came to him as sinners. Again, back to what that blind man in John 9, 31 said. We know that God heareth not sinners, but if any man be a worshiper of God, doeth as well, him he heareth. We keep seeing scripture after scripture after scripture that shows that statement to be true, accurate, to the point. In the book of Jeremiah, chapter 7, it's going to be a little bit more of a, a lengthy read, but you know, I, I want you to get these things in context so that you don't think I'm just trying to proof text a point in the Bible. And I want you to see not what Brian Yeager says God thinks about uh, worship while you're a sinner. I want you to think what God thinks about it, what the way the Lord hears and views these things. And we're not just going to stay in the Old Testament. I'm giving you Old Testament now. And the next point, we're going to talk about the New Testament, okay? I just want to show you it's consistent. Throughout the law, the prophets, the Psalms, it's consistent with what our Lord teaches in the New Testament. God, Jesus didn't die on the cross and all of a sudden say, you know, the door is open to my Father, you sinners, worship Him any way you want. God is a spirit, and they that worship Him must worship Him in spirit and in truth. That's out of the mouth of Jesus in John 4, 24. So coming back to the Old Testament here in Jeremiah chapter 7, and what I'm going to read to you is going to be Jeremiah, excuse me, chapter 7, verses 1 through 28. 
says, The word that came to Jeremiah from the Lord, saying, Stand in the gate of the Lord's house, and proclaim there this word, and say, Hear the word of the Lord, all ye of Judah, that enter in the gates to worship the Lord. Thus saith the Lord of hosts, The God of Israel, amend your ways and your doings, and I will cause you to dwell in this place. So the context is set clear right away, right? says, trust ye not in lying words, saying the temple of the Lord, the temple of the Lord, the temple of the Lord are these. That This pertains to Im images like we have today. Don't just trust somebody that's telling you, no, your worship is fine. The person you're worshiping is God the Father in heaven. The question is, is your worship fine with him, right? Not with men. He says, for if you thoroughly amend your ways, Jeremiah 7 and verse 5, and your doings, if you thoroughly execute judgment between a man and his neighbor, if you oppress not the stranger, the fatherless, and the widow, and shed not innocent blood in this place, neither walk after other gods to your hurt, then will I cause you to dwell in this place, in the land that I gave to your fathers forever and ever. Behold, you trust in lying words that cannot profit. So again, let me emphasize to us, don't let man deceive you. In fact, you're commanded not to, Ephesians 5 and verse 6. Just because somebody says you're okay with the Lord, that doesn't make you okay with the Lord. Does the Lord say you're okay with Him? We have His Word to verify that. He says in Jeremiah 7 and verse 9, Will you steal, murder, and commit adultery, and swear falsely, and burn incense unto Baal, and walk after other gods whom you know not? And come and stand before me in this house, which is called by my name, and say, We are delivered to do all these abominations. Is this house, which is called by my name, become a den of robbers in your eyes? Behold, even I have seen it, saith the Lord. But go ye now unto my place, which was in Shiloh, where I set my name at the first, and see what I did to it for the wickedness of my people Israel. So he, he tells them, go back, go back and look in the past. What happens when my people transgressed against me? Well, what happened was he destroyed, okay? Now go forward under the Old Testament, just so we can kind of put some imagery into a little bit of context, and I'll pick up in Jeremiah seven thirteen here in just a moment. Today, the house of the Lord is not a physical temple as it was at this point in time when Jeremiah is a prophet. Then the temple was in, in Jerusalem, and by the way, during this time, it's destroyed by the Babylonian Empire as Judah is taken into captivity for 70 years because they refuse to repent. Well, the temple in Jerusalem was then rebuilt. You can see that in the books of Ezra and Nehemiah. But then over time, destroyed again. And then ultimately, Jesus prophesied in, in Matthew chapter 23, verse 37 through chapter 24 and verse 34, that in the generation of the first century, the temple would be destroyed again. Uh, and that happened historically in, in 70 AD. The temple, the house of God now is the church. First Timothy chapter three teaches that in terms that are, are very clearly uh, set forth for us, First Timothy 3 and verse 15, after the Apostle Paul gives the evangelist Timothy the qualifications of elders and deacons, he says in First Timothy 3.15, But if I tarry long, that thou mayest know how thou ought to behave thyself in the house of God, which is the church of the living God, the pillar 
and grounded the truth. The church, being the house of God, is not a physical structure. It's the people of God. 1 Corinthians 12, 27, you're the body of Christ and members in particular. The body is the church, Ephesians 1, 22 and 23. So that we understand when we come into the assembly of Christians, whether that is in the outdoors, whether that is in somebody's home, you know, the church met in homes, Romans 16, 3 through 5, uh, or, or some other public place like we're going to see in a text we're going to get to in 1 Corinthians 11 here in just a few moments, wherever the church is assembling, that's the house of God, okay? So if we were to think about the way Jeremiah would apply today for those that assemble together to worship collectively, if you come and you've not amended your ways, so think about it that way as we kind of read through this text. So Jeremiah seven thirteen. now... Because you've done all these works, saith the Lord, and I spake unto you, rise up, er, rising up early and speaking, but ye heard not. And I called, but ye answered not. Therefore will I do unto this house, which is called by my name, wherein you trust, and unto the place which I gave unto you and your fathers, as I have done unto Shiloh, which was destruction. Verse 15, I will cast you out of my sight, as I have cast out all of your brethren, even the whole seed of Ephraim. Therefore, so listen to what he tells Jeremiah. Therefore, pray not for this people, neither lift up prayer, cry nor prayer for them, neither make intercession for me, for I will not hear thee. Seest thou not what they do in the cities of Judah and the streets of Jerusalem? The children gather wood, the fathers kindle the fire, the women knead their dough to make cakes to the queen of heaven, to pour out drink offerings unto other gods that they may provoke me to anger. Do they provoke me to anger, saith the Lord? Do they not provoke themselves to the confusion of their own faces? Therefore, thus saith the Lord God, Behold, mine anger and my fury shall be poured out upon this place, upon man, upon beast, upon the trees of the field, upon the fruit of the ground, and it shall burn and shall not be quenched. Thus saith the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, Put your burnt offerings unto your sacrifices and eat flesh. For I spake not, unto your fathers, nor commanded them the day that I brought them out of the land of Egypt concerning brought offerings or sacrifices. But this thing commanded I them, saying, Obey my voice, and I will be your God, and you shall be my people. And walk in all the ways that I have commanded you, that it should be well unto you. So here, that's the premise of this lesson right there. What do you have to do to have a relation with God? Obey Him. Jeremiah seven twenty four. But they hearken not nor inclined their ear, but walked in the counsel and the imagination of their evil heart and went backward and not forward. Since the day that your fathers came forth out of the land of Egypt unto this day, I have even sent unto you all my servants the prophets, daily rising up early and sending them. Yet they hearkened not unto me, nor inclined their ear, but hardened their neck. They did worse than their fathers. Therefore thou shalt speak all these words unto them, but they will not hearken to thee. Thou shalt call on them, but they will not answer thee. But thou shalt say unto them, This is a nation that obeyeth not the voice of the Lord their God, nor receives correction. Truth is perished and is cut off from their mouth. There it is. Jeremiah 7, 1 through 28. They came before the Lord and the temple. They offered up their worship to him. He rejected it because they didn't obey him. <clears throat> In Proverbs 21, 23, says to do justice and judgment is more acceptable to the Lord than sacrifice. They did not get that point. 
Now let's fast forward to the New Testament. The congregation in Corinth. In 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 16, beginning, says, If any man seem to be contentious, we have no such custom, neither the churches of God. Now in this that I declare unto you, I praise you not, that you come together not for the better, but for the worse. For first of all, when you come together in the church, that is in the assembly, I hear that there be divisions among you, and I partly believe it. For there must be also heresies among you. And what that means is there were sexed in the, in the congregation in Corinth. He says, and I partly believe it. For there are also heresies among you. I'm sorry, just reread that. That your approved may be manifest among you. When you come together, therefore, into one place, this is not to eat the Lord's Supper. For in eating, everyone taketh before other his own supper, and one is hungry and other is drunken. What? Have you not houses to eat and drink in? Or despise ye the church of God? Again, that's the assembly. And shame them that have not. What shall I send to you? Shall I praise you in this? I praise you not. So what they have done is instead of partaking of the Lord's Supper, they made it a common meal. And there were some that were eating and drinking to their full and others who were hungry. So Paul is now going to correct them regarding the Lord's Supper. He says, For I have received the Lord, that which also I delivered unto you, that the Lord Jesus, the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread. When he given thanks, he brake it and said, Take eat, this is my body which is broken for you, this do remember to me. After the same manner also he took the cup when he had supped, saying, This cup is the New Testament of my blood. This do ye as often you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as ye eat this bread and drink this cup, you do show the Lord's death till he comes. So here's the instruction regarding the Lord's Supper, which you go back to Matthew chapter 26, 17 through 30. You can see that. Luke and Mark record it also. Uh, pretty clear. The Lord didn't instruct coming together for a common meal. He instructed partaking of unleavened bread and drinking of the fruit of the vine in remembrance of him. It was not to be a meal. It was to be a memorial. It was to be actions of eating the unleavened bread and remembrance of him because it was unleavened bread. Again, Matthew 26, 17 shows us that. Drinking of the fruit of the vine and remembrance of the blood that was shed, blood of the new covenant, blood of the new testament. Not, hey, come together in the assembly and eat. If you're hungry, you have a place to eat. That's your home, not the assembly. He goes on. Wherefore, whosoever shall eat this bread and drink this cup of the Lord unworthily shall be guilty of the body and blood of the Lord. <laughs> so think about this as we're building into where he's going to teach from this, okay? If you do so irreverently or in an improper, improper manner, that's if you use Strong's uh, or and, and Thayer's definition, Strong's number 371, that, that's, that's the conclusion. If you eat the bread or drink the cup of the Lord irreverently or in, in a proper manner, you're guilty of the body and blood of the Lord. It's like you're killing him. Whoa, wait a minute. So I can't just come before the Lord and do it my way. That essentially makes me like a murderer in the eyes of the Lord, my God, my creator. Think on that. So from that point, 
Paul says, but let a man examine himself, and so let him eat of that bread and drink of that cup. So before the Lord's Supper, there has to be a self-examination process, right? That's what the instruction here is. He goes on to emphasize, for he that eateth and drinketh unworthily eateth and drinketh damnation to himself, not discern the Lord's body. You can lose your soul in the memorial of the Lord's Supper. Can I just offer up to God whatever I want? Clearly not. Paul goes on. For this cause many are weak and sickly among you, and many sleep. So spiritually speaking, spiritually ill, spiritually dead. He's talking about people among them, people in the assembly that are spiritually ill, spiritually dead. For if we would judge ourselves, we should not be judged. Judge yourself so you're not condemned is the point. But when we are judged, we are chastened of the Lord. So if I properly examine myself using the scriptures, the scriptures are going to correct me. That's one of the purposes of the scriptures, 2 Timothy 3, 16, 17. They're given, the inspired word of God is, is given in part for correction. Well, that is the Lord correcting me, that we should not be condemned with the world. So I need to allow myself to examine myself according to the word of God to make corrections so that I'm not condemned in eating the Lord's Supper in an unworthy manner. He goes on. Wherefore, my brethren, when you come together to eat, tarry one for another. And if any man hunger, let him eat at home, that you come not together under condemnation, and the rest will I set in order when I come. So he comes back to the point of, when you come together, wait for one another. The Lord's Supper is to be done in the assembly. It is not to be done by a few or in the absence of other. So we have this information to consider and to take into account. I need to examine myself. I need to make any corrections uh, that are, are necessary. Let's go, go, go through some thoughts here in regard to what we just read. What if I approach God irreverently or in an improper manner? Hebrews 12, 28 and 29 says, Wherefore, we receiving a kingdom which cannot be moved. Let us have grace whereby we may serve God acceptably with reverence and godly fear for our God is a consuming fire. If you don't have that in mind when you pray before the Lord God Almighty, when you worship before the Lord God Almighty, and I'm not trying to say prayer is not an uh, action of worship. It is. I'm just mentioning them not to separate them, but just for sake of clarity, okay? Don't come before God irreverently. Remember who you're talking to. The self-examination aspect, 2 Corinthians 13, 5, examine yourselves whether you be in the faith, prove your own selves, know you not your own selves, how that Christ is in you, except you be reprobates. We've got to be honest in our self-examination. We've got to judge ourselves. Like was said in the Old Testament, Lamentations 340, let us search and try our ways and turn again unto the Lord. You can't just come before God and say, accept me. You know, there's a song out there that's really false in its premise. It's just as I am. You can't come before God just as you are. You can't. 
you know what the shame of the matter is? There are people that show more reverence for earthly judges than they do for the eternal judges, right? In Jeremiah 6, 19 through 20, it says, Hear, O earth, behold, I will bring evil upon this people, even the fruit of their thoughts, because they have not hearkened unto my words, nor to my law, but rejected it. To what purpose cometh there to me incense from Sheba? And the sweet came from a far country. Your burnt offerings are not acceptable, nor your sacrifices sweet unto me. Do you hear what God is saying? In Matthew 23, 14, Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you devour widows' houses, and for a pretense make long prayer. Therefore you shall receive the greater damnation. It wasn't, you're good, you're okay. No, you're, you're, you're doomed because of this. Paul told Timothy, 1 Timothy, 1, 1 Timothy 2, I'm sorry, verse 8. I will therefore that men pray everywhere, lifting up holy hands without wrath and doubting. So when you come before God, your hands have to be clean. That is consistent with what we have, have seen in the Old Testament, like in Isaiah chapter 1, 10 through 20 that we read earlier. The solution, if there is sin, 2 Chronicles 7, 14, if my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face, and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven, will forgive their sin, and will heal their land. You've got to turn. You've got to repent. You've got to confess. You can't just say, I'm good as it is. I want you to think about the idea of self-made religion, of will worship, or my will worship. In Colossians 2, 20 through 23, it says, Wherefore, if ye be dead with Christ from the rudiments of the world, why? As though living the world, are you subject to ordinances? Touch not, taste not, handle not, which are all to perish with the using, after the commandments and doctrines of men, which things have indeed a show of wisdom and will worship and humility and neglecting the body, not in any honor to the satisfying of the flesh. Think on what you just heard, and hopefully you're able to read along or look this up later if you're listening while you're doing other things. You cannot generate your own religion and that be acceptable before God. If it's after man, it's not God. It's false. No matter how convincingly somebody may have told you that you're okay, if it's your way or some other man's way, it's not right. I, I, I want to come back to who do people think we are? I can't, hey God, listen, I'm going to tell you what you're going to accept. Think about the potter and the clay point of Isaiah 29, 16. Surely your turnings of things upside down shall be esteemed as the potter's clay. For shall the work say of him that made it, he may be not, or the thing that framed say of him that framed it, he hath no understanding? Like, who is the creation to tell the creator what he's going to accept? Who are we? We are the creation. If we want to come before God... We're not the one that sets the terms. We're, we can't lean and think that our way is the right way. Follow through some scriptures with me. In Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 through 7, says, Trust the Lord with all thine heart, and lean not unto thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy paths. Be not wise in thine own eyes. Fear the Lord, and depart from evil. In Proverbs 23, 4, the first part says, Labor not to be rich. Great lesson there. But the second part is what we're grabbing at. Cease from thine own wisdom. Jeremiah told Judah, wrote this lesson. 
and respect to what's going on of the time of apostasy we've already read from. We've, we've looked at Jeremiah 6. We've looked at Jeremiah 7. Jeremiah 10, 23. O Lord, I know that the way of man is not in himself. It is not in man that walketh to direct his steps. The church in Corinth, 1 Corinthians 3, 18 through 20. Let no man deceive himself. If any man among you seem to be wise in this world, let him become a fool that he may be wise. For the wisdom of this world is foolishness with God. For it is written, he taketh the wise in their own craftiness. And again, the Lord knoweth the thoughts of the wise, that they are vain. No matter how much somebody may seem to be wise. Maybe, maybe you've heard some teacher who is, has some kind of degree. And maybe he calls himself doctor something, or she calls herself doctor something. Doctor doesn't mean God. The object of our worship is our creator. To whom we pray is to our father who is in heaven. Is he hearing me? Not does man tell me that he's hearing me. Is he hearing me? How do I know that? How do I come? Am I obedient to his will is how I know that. Well, what if you don't know the will of God? You know, a lot of people in this world, maybe, maybe they've, they've quote-unquote read through the Bible. I've studied with countless people who've read through the Bible and don't know anything. They don't know anything. Reading through the Bible won't get you very far because you're going to accumulate words that you're not going to understand, especially if you read from cover to cover. I mean... No way. The, the book is a book meant to be studied, to search through. Like Jesus said, search the scriptures. For in them you think you have eternal life, and they are they which testify of me, John 5, 39. The doctors of the law of Moses were ignorant to who Jesus was, and they knew the law. But they didn't really know the law. See what I'm saying? Put it into perspective. Don't be zealous in your own ways. In Romans 10, 1 through 3, Paul wrote, Brethren, my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they might be saved. For I bear them record that they have a zeal of God, but not according to knowledge. For they, being ignorant of God's righteousness, going about to establish their own righteousness, have not submitted themselves unto the righteousness of God. That is a lot of people in our day. Are you one of them? Are you one of them? We, we can't sugarcoat this. If you can't turn in the Bible and know for sure that what you're doing and how you're living is pleasing to God, and yet you're praying to Him and doing other actions of worship towards Him, you are just like Romans 10, 1 through 3. What are you going to do about that? What are you going to do about that? Are, are you going to seek to be converted to the real way, to the way of truth? Are you going to turn to what God's instructions are? The people in Thessalonica were told in 1 Thessalonians 4, 1 and 2, Furthermore, then we beseech you, brethren, and exhort you by the Lord Jesus, that as you have received of us how you ought to walk and to please God, so you would abound more and more, for you know what commandments we gave you by the Lord Jesus. We had to look at God's word to know how to walk and to please him. Not, not our own feelings, not our conscience even. Proverbs 14, 12, there's a way that seemeth right in a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. It may feel right. It may look right. You may think it's right. Somebody might have told you it's right. But if that somebody is not God, 
It's not right. Can't follow men and please God. Can't serve man and God. Galatians 1 and verse 10. It's God and no other. But there are people that will say, but the men of the congregation that I'm a member of or the elders or whatever leadership groups that people might identify, doesn't matter. They're not the source. You're not praying to them or through them. You're not worshiping to them or through them. If you are, by the way, you're wrong on a whole other degree, right? It's God the Father to whom you better be sure He's listening to your prayers and accepting your worship. If you're not sure, just as I've gone through this and other podcasts in the past, I can take you through the Bible and help you get to know the Lord the right way, the Bible way. I could take you through the scriptures from where you are right now. Now listen, you, you got to be willing to, to hear some direct talk. You, you got to know I'm not going to sugarcoat anything. I'm, going, I'm not going to waste your time or mine. I'm going to tell you the truth and then you can take it or leave it. Just as these podcasts are. Here's the truth. Few people are going to be saved. That's not my words. That's the words of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. In Matthew 7, 13 and 14, enter ye at the straight gate. For wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leads to the destruction, and many there be which go in thereat. Because straight is the gate, and narrow is the way that leadeth in life, and few there be that find it. A lot there, I'm not going to unpack it all. I want to emphasize this. Few there be that find it. What's that tell you? It tells you you got to seek. You got to seek the Lord while he may be found. Isaiah 55 verse 6. But there are a lot of people like we read about Romans 10, 1 through 3, that are convinced of themselves that what they're doing is right. Don't be one of those people that is establishing your own righteousness through ignorance. Or be one of those people that have been led astray by somebody that is convincing. Dr. Know-it-all, whoever he or she is, is not God. I hope this has been thought-provoking. If I can help you, call me up. 915-525-5794. Visit www.wordsoftruth.net. You can contact me from there. A lot of material, everything for free. I will not ask you for money. You will not find a way that you can donate to me online anywhere that is anything to do with me. And the podcast, if there are commercials, that's being put there by whatever podcast source. That's not me. My, my podcast platform is Podbean. And I pay out of my own pocket not to have ads. I'm not looking to benefit in any way from you. I'm just looking to help you to be saved. Just looking to help you direct your way to God the right way. I hope you'll let me do that. You can contact me through those means. Thank you so much for your time. I hope you will come back on Sunday to hear as we're studying through First Peter. Until then, if it all goes according to plan and the world still continues, Thanks so much for listening, and I shall say goodbye.